Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Come on, Ryan, how we doing? Yeah. What is going on? So good to see you all this evening. How's everybody feeling? Feeling good? Feeling good? Come on, man. Beginning a riot takeover week, it is going to be an incredible experience for you guys. But hey, as you just saw, we are already promoing Riot Conference 2018, which is going to be amazing. Hey, listen, if you sign up for Riot Conference tonight, it's only $25, August 1st and 2nd, $25, that's right, you heard me correctly. So after service, make sure you get registered for Riot Conference, it is going to be nuts. But... As we are expecting for next year, how many of y'all know this year, right now, God is about to do something incredible for Riot Takeover Week? Yeah? So awesome. Listen, so this is no surprise to many of you, but tonight we have in the house a very special guest, and that is none other than Pastor Robert Madu. Yeah. Here's what I have to say about Pastor Robert Madu. Listen, man, make sure you get your notebooks out, get your pens, pencils, get something to write with, get your phones out, get something to take notes with, because I promise you this, this is gonna be one of those messages, this is gonna be one of those nights that you remember for the rest of your life. And I can guarantee you that if you lean in and riot, sub 30, I wanna challenge you tonight. What's your approach gonna be? Are you just going to sit there and, and, and kind of check out and disengage? Or are you going to go for what God has for you? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you come hungry, you come expectant tonight, God is going to show up in an incredible, miraculous way in your life. Amen? So here's what y'all need to know about Pastor Robert Madu, and I'm going to bring him up to the stage, and I'm going to get out of the way. But, man, Pastor Robert Madu is, man, one of the most genuine people I have ever had the chance to meet. I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet um, a lot of different people and, and get to hang out with a lot of cool people, but man, he is by far one of the most genuine people ever. Just like everything that he says is just so like, just so down to earth, so incredibly humble and so anointed, man. And that's just, that's saying a lot for somebody that has the platform and the influence that he does. So Riot, I'm telling you, man, you guys have it so good, man. It's going to be an incredible night. So why don't you do me a favor? Please stand to your feet. Make some noise. Let's give honor where it is due for Pastor Robert Madu. Wow. Ryan, can we make some noise for Jesus in the building tonight? Oh, come on, Ryan. You could do better than that now. Come on. Let's make some noise for Jesus tonight. Let me hear you in this place. Before you take your seat, before you take your seat, high five somebody next to you. Get in their face, get in their personal space. Come on, tell them it's on tonight. It's on tonight. Anybody excited to be at Riot Night? Y'all don't even know. I have been waiting with tiptoe anticipation tonight. We're going to have a good time in here tonight. I am Red Bull excited. Uh, come on, to be back in the house today. In fact, I almost had my chocolate brother from another mother, uh, Keith, I almost had him skip the introduction because this is like, I think my fourth time here 
And uh, when you come to a church like the fourth time, you're not even a guest. You're straight up family. So I hope y'all know we are family. I'm just your crazy cousin from Dallas, Texas. And it's good to be in Jacksonville, man. God is going to do something in this place, in this space tonight. And I know it's been said, I really... I uh, don't know what you came in with tonight. Maybe you came in with crazy expectation. Maybe you came in because somebody invited you. Maybe you came in because you're single. And you're like, hey, I'm scoping and hoping tonight that this is going to be tonight. And I'm not even mad if you are. If you're going to fish, fish in clean water. You came to church. So <laughs> I ain't hating on nobody. Do you, boo-boo, do you. But doesn't matter why you came tonight. I truly believe, hear me, and this is not hyperbole. This isn't preacher hype. I truly believe if you have an ear to hear what God is going to say tonight, this night, you're going to leave different than the way that you came in. Tell you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Before I get into the Word, and I'm excited about it, I'm going to jump into it. I do want to do this because I think it's imperative that we give honor to where honor is due. You got to understand, there's a lot of singing pastors who are more concerned about their own personal destiny than they are about legacy in the next generation. But that is not the case here at Celebration Church. Y'all are ridiculously blessed. Come on. To have, in my opinion, one of the greatest pastors on planet Earth, come on, who not only cares about the next generation, he's here tonight. Come on, can you help me make some noise for your pastor, Pastor Stovall? Come on, y'all could do better than that, man. Love you, Pastor Stovall, so much. He and Pastor Kerry are hashtag goals. To my wife and I, I love the way he leads. I love the way he lives. He's even bicep goals for me. <laughs> and that's, that's real talk. Hey, I'm not here by myself. I never travel alone. And I got, this is revival for real at Riot because my baby brother is traveling here with me. Help me thank God for my brother, Nathan Madu. He's here tonight. And if you, if you ever question, if you ever question how much I love you, like for real, love you, uh, I left the finest woman on the planet. Uh, her name is Taylor. She's at home, my wife. We're about to celebrate five years of marriage. Holla at your boy. And we got two of the cutest kids on planet Earth. I'm going to be that dad right now. Can y'all put my little humans on the screen? Yo, y'all don't understand. I made that. I made that. Come on, that's, that's my baby girl on the left. That's my baby girl, Everly Adair Madu is her name. I call her Evie. She is the reason that I pray more, and I got a shotgun. Yeah, ain't going to be no dates. Ain't going to be no dates. Catch me outside. How about that? Ain't going to be no dates. That's my son on the right, my man child, Robert Madu III. So, uh, man, I put up their pictures everywhere because I think fatherhood is the best hood. Ain't nothing like being a dad. And, uh, and actually, I don't know if you know this, we're actually having baby number three in October. Three kids under three. So pray for us. Pray for us. Hey, are y'all ready for the word? Come on. It's, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. If you have a Bible, would you wave it in the air like you just do care? Awesome. Look at y'all. Y'all came in the middle of a thunderstorm. Y'all look cray-cray for real. I love it. I want to look at 2 Timothy tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And then also Genesis chapter 2. Verse number seven, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7, and then Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. While you're looking forward and scrolling through your phone to find it, how many of you never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach before? Oh, Lord. Okay, quite a few of you. Quick disclaimer, quick disclaimer. Uh, I'm a holler back preacher. I know I don't need to tell you that at celebration, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It is illegal for you to sit there while I'm preaching just go. 
That's interesting. No, okay. If anything I say resonates with you or you feeling it, you can say amen. You can say preach that. You can say, mm, that was good. Uh, you can stand up in the middle. Stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for me. <laughs> you can also stand in the middle and go, ooh, that was for you. For real, no, you, you needed that. What? You posted it. You No, no. <laughs> We're going to have fun. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, starting at verse 1, when you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmama Lewis and your mother Eunice. And I, Eunice, ain't you glad you didn't get named that? Your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to start the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, hashtag don't be scared, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can you say amen? Come on, that's good stuff all by itself. And then real quick, just one verse of scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. And it says, God formed man out of dirt from the ground. Blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. Can you say amen again? Amen. Tonight, I, I don't want to preach long at all, probably about six and a half hours. <laughs> but I just want to use this, this as a title tonight. I want to talk to you from this thought. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. Look at your neighbor one last time and say, neighbor, everything you need to do what God's called you to do, it's in you. That neighbor was a little bougie. Find you another neighbor. Find you another neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor, I'm telling you, everything you need to do what God's called you to do, it's in you. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise up in here. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray, and we're going to jump into it. Let's pray. It's going to be a long prayer, a long prayer, but just bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you are awesome. Speak tonight. Amen. <laughs> How many of you would say, just by a showing of hands, that you were raised in church. Can I see your hand? If you were raised in church. Oh, Lord, that's almost everybody. Hold on. Keep it lifted. Raised in church. Okay, you can put your hand down. If you lifted up your hand, then you are aware of the fact that the life of a church kid is distinctly different than the life of a regular kid. 
Oh, come on. Can we keep it 100 tonight? Come on. There are trials and tribulations and situations that you go through as a church kid that other kids don't even know about. They're not even aware of. There are songs as a church kid that other kids have never heard about, but you, you don't need a beat. As soon as you hear the first line of the song, you will jump into the song because you are a church. Okay, you're going to make me do it. You're going to make me do it. All right, here we go. Father Abraham had... And Manny. Say what? Oh, yeah? What we gonna do? Right. You know. Before you were ever dabbing, before you ever Millie rocked, you were in a Sunday school class doing right arm, left at the church kids. I'm a church kid. I will confess, I'm a church kid. And, and, and growing up in my household, we had to be in church, okay? Every day the doors open, had to be in church. It wasn't a democracy. It was a dictatorship, okay? In fact, I remember one time as a kid, I think I was about 13, I got a little bold, I got a little brave, feeling a little gangster. And I told my dad, I told my father, I told my father, I told ooh, my African father, Said, uh, I ain't going this Sunday. I don't feel like it. I told my African father that. And do you know what my African father said to me? He said, let me tell you something, boy. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You have two options, okay? You can get out of that bed and go to church, or I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yo, that's a true story. Dinners, dinners were different in our house. My brother's here, he'll testify. Dinners were different in our house because you could not eat your food. You could not touch your meal without my mama hitting you with this question. What's your favorite scripture? Before you could eat your food, you had to give a scripture. Before you could touch the plate, you had to give a scripture. You don't know hunger until your mind is racing through the Bible, just trying to find a scripture so you can eat your food. I remember one dinner being so frustrated and hungry, I looked at my mama and said to her, Jesus wept. Give me the chicken. Why are you playing with people's food? It's just it's the environment that I grew up in. And tonight, as we begin, I kind of want to invert the question that my mom asked at the dinner table, and not ask you what your favorite scripture is, but ask you, have you ever considered what your least favorite scripture is? Because I know mine. We read it today. It is in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. The Bible says that God created man from the very dirt of the earth. Let that scripture bless you for a minute there. If you are ever tempted to be saved and stuck up, and you just think you all that, and you're struggling with pride, I got a scripture for you to read. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. The Bible is clear that none of us came from some special celestial substance. Every single person in this room came from nothing but Dirt. Ooh, I, I want to do an exercise. I want to do an exercise that's going to help your self-esteem tonight. Would you do me a favor? Look at the person to your left. Look at them real good. Uh-huh. Look at the person to your right. Look at them real good. Uh-huh. Look at the person behind you. Look at them real good. Uh-huh. Look at the person in front of you. Watch this. You may think you have nothing in common with the person you just looked at. You're wrong. Every single person you looked at, according to the Word of God, is a dirt bag. Yes. No, I'm, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm being biblical because the Bible is clear. We came... Woo, 
from nothing but dirt. And it is funny to me, Ryan, all the things that we do for our dirt. Like you got up today, you washed your dirt. You put deodorant. I hope you put deodorant on your dirt. You put your dirt in skinny jeans. You get mad, somebody step on your shoes. Say, oh man, fam, I just got these shoes. You getting them dirty, not knowing it's dirt already all up in the shoes because you came from nothing but dirt. Ladies, all the ladies in the place make some noise. Ladies, where you at? The money y'all spend on your dirt. You get your dirt manicured. You get your dirt pedicured. Some of y'all tanning your dirt. All the stuff we do for our dirt. There are people in this room who take their smart devices and flip the phone and hold it like this and take about 78 pictures because you know the first one you post is not the first one you took. And take 78 pictures to put the best picture on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, or Twitter. Talking about hashtag selfie. No, hashtag dirty because you came from... But dirt. This is dirt. This is you. Woo! How many know we did not mess up the celebration budget tonight getting this dirt? About a dollar ninety-nine cents. This is where we came from. And I took issues with this verse. I took issues with this verse because think about this dirt has never had a positive connotation in society. Come on, we say things like you better watch your mouth. You got a dirty mouth. And even when you want to talk about your friend who always forgets their wallet when it's time to pay for the meal, you say, man, you are as cheap as but that's where we came from. If the substance of something speaks to its significance, this becomes problematic that all of humanity came from nothing but dirt. I even got more mad, especially when you juxtapose this with the greatness of our God. Ooh, how many know we serve a great God? We serve an awesome God. We serve a magnificent God. Come on, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. He does everything with beauty. He does everything with splendor. Come on, if you've ever seen a sunset, you've seen the handiwork of our God. He does not do anything ordinary. He does everything extraordinary. You do know he's the interior designer of heaven, right? He did the streets in gold. He did the gates in pearl. But when he got ready to create you and I, his prized possession, the one he sent his only son to die on a cross for, of all the things he could have used, he said, let's use. Oh, I was so ticked off. I was so mad. I said, hold on, God. Hold on, God. Streets get gold, but we get dirt. That's messed up. <laughs> then God started speaking to me. And he started revealing to me the revelation that is encapsulated within the creation process. And he said, Robert, don't get mad, get glad. <laughs> he showed me that since the beginning of time, please don't miss this, God has been trying to show us something about who he is and what he works with. And Riot, you ought to praise God tonight because you serve a God who is holy but he's not afraid to work with things that are dirty. You serve a God who is awesome, but yet he works with things that are awful. Come on, you serve a God who is magnificent, but he works with things that are mundane and ordinary. And I want to pause and thank God that in a culture where everybody says, get that dirty thing away from me, get that messed up person away from me, God says, no, bring me that dirt. Bring me that person you think can't be used. I will put my hands on that dirt. I will breathe on that dirt. Come on, that dirt will come alive and become a living soul. Come on, somebody give God some praise if you're thankful that he can work with. See, see, if you're stuck up, you can't praise God for that. But 
if you know you got some issues and some of your issues have issues, you ought to thank God that he doesn't need clean, pristine, Pinterest perfect people to get the glory out of their life. But God can take a messed up, dirty person and get the glory out of their life because he showed us from the beginning that he works with dirt. Only God can take a great mess and turn it into greatness because he works with dirt. Can I take you deeper? I think it's also important to note tonight that dirt, dirt is the only environment that is conducive for a seed. See, you cannot put a seed in gold. You cannot put a seed in a diamond. I don't care how giant the tree, how beautiful the flower. If the gardener never places the seed in dirt, it will never reach its optimum potential. And I want to tell you tonight that God is a good gardener. And although you came from dirt, he has put a seed on the inside of you. And that seed is a gift. There is a gift that has been put in you before the foundation of the earth. And God is waiting for you to stir it up. Maybe that's why the Bible says stuff like this, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that it is Christ that is in us that is the hope of glory. Oh, I feel like preaching, but let me calm down and really uh, paint the picture of this text tonight. I love the scripture that we read because it's written by this guy, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Tom won't even permit me to let you know how off the chain this dude Paul was. Paul is writing to a young person. He's writing to this dude named Timothy about the need to stir up and be a steward of what God put in you. And I love that Paul wrote this because Paul is qualified to tell you to stir up the gift of God because Paul was off the chain. Most of your New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. This dude was a beast to say the least. This dude, I mean, would send a letter and revival would break out in a city from a letter that he said Paul was off the chain. One time Paul was preaching a riot night and he preached too long and this dude fell asleep in the middle of his sermon, fell out the window, broke his neck and died. Paul went downstairs, laid hands on the dude, raised him from the dead and went right back to preach. Paul was off the chain. Everywhere Paul went, they tried to shut his ministry down because he knew how to stir up what God put in him. They said, Paul, we're going to kill you. He said, that's cool because to die is gain. They said, okay, then, Paul, we're going to let you live. He said, that's cool, too, because to live is Christ. They said, okay, then, Paul, we're going to make you suffer. He said, that's cool, too, because I already know that the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory of God that's on the inside of me. Paul, oh, he was off the chain. He's saying, Timothy, whatever you do, stir up what God put on the inside of you. But you can't appreciate what Paul's writing until you know the context from which he's writing it from. Because scholars tell us that 2 Timothy is the last thing that Paul wrote. The last thing that Paul wrote. He is writing this from a jail cell. He is about to be executed, and he is writing this letter. Why is that important? It's important because there's something about knowing that you're going to die that will clarify what's really important in your life. Oh, come on, tonight, if I told you, if I told you that you only had four hours to live, how many of you know seeing Planet of the Apes and getting some pizza after this service would not be that important to you? Come on, you would want everything that you did to carry great weight and significance because you would know you were running out of time. So I found it intriguing. Of all the things Paul could have written about, in the last moments of his life, he feels the need to tell the next generation, whatever you do, stir up what God put on the inside of you. I'm be honest, I'm be honest, I love you, I really do, I love you, but if they about to kill me and I'm on death row and I get to write one letter, I ain't writing a letter to you. The only letter I'm writing if they about to kill me is this, don't kill me. That's all right. Now Paul, Paul said, I gotta tell you, whatever you do, stir up what God put on the inside of you. 
Why would Paul do that? Because that is all that life is about. What did you do with what God put in you? You understand, when you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you, did you jump up and down on your favorite praise and worship song? He's not going to ask you any of that. He's going to want to know, what did you do with the gift? What did you do with the dream that I put on the inside of you? Are you exhaling what I inhaled inside of you before the foundation of the earth? And God sent me to tell you tonight, you want to take over, you got to stir up what God put on the inside of you. You want to riot, you got to stir up what God put on the inside of you. Somebody say stir it up. Oh, I love what one writer says. He says, the tragedy of life is not death, but rather what we let die inside of us while we're still alive. Another writer says that the wealthiest place on earth is the cemetery because buried in the cemetery are dreams that never became a reality. Buried in the cemetery are songs that we never got to dance to. Buried in the cemetery are books that we never got to read, read because the person never stirred up what God put on the inside of them. Come on, if you got a sense that there's something on the inside of you, come on, would you give God some praise and just say, stir it up? Come on, say, stir it up? Ooh, if you go... Oh, I got to hurry. If you go to my parents' house, you go to my parents' house in Dallas, Texas, and you go to the backyard, what you're going to see there is a peach tree. There's a big old peach tree there. And the way that peach tree got there is when I was a kid, I loved peaches. I'll never forget being a kid, and I ate this peach, and I got down to the sea. And being the inquisitive, precocious kid that I was, I went to my dad after eating the peach, and I said, Dad, what is this? My dad said, that's the seed. Actually, scratch that. Let's keep it 100. He's Nigerian. He's African. I told you. So he actually said, son, that is the seed. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, son, do you know uh, if you take that seed and you plant it in the ground, a peach tree will come up? I said, no, uh daddy. He said, son, it is true. So true story. My father and I, we go to the backyard and we plant the seed. We plant the seed to get my own peach tree. And I am so excited about this peach tree. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have my own peach tree. I'm going to school the next day. I'm making songs about this peach tree. I'm going to have a peach tree. I'm going to have a peach tree. I was telling friends, you can have some of my peaches, you know. Y'all were hating on me. You can't have none of my peaches. I mean, I'm so excited about this peach tree, right? After we plant it, the next day, the next day, I go outside to get my peaches. <laughs> to my shock, there was no peach tree. I said, okay, maybe they need it today. Next day, no peach tree. 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 By the eighth day, I don't even want to go outside anymore. I am inside the house. My nose is pressed up against the window pane. Tears, actually one tear, slowly cascaded down my face. I wish I had a violin. This was sad because I don't have a peach tree. My father walks in, true story, sees me crying and says, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? I said, don't talk to me, liar. You ain't nothing but a liar. Don't talk to me, liar. Side note, if your father's African, don't call him a liar, okay? <laughs> Discipline is high on their priority list, okay? He said, are you calling me a liar? Are you calling your father? A Where's my spear? Boy, I brought you in this world. I said, no! <laughs> I said, I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm just saying you had sales going to have a peach tree. There's no peach tree. My dad said, come here, boy. I'll never forget it. Took me to the place where he planted and he said, have you done anything with this since we planted it? I said, no. He said, every day you come home from school, go and get the water hose and water what we planted. Stop crying like a little baby and go and get the water hose and water what we planted. I hope somebody sees where I'm going with this tonight. Because there are so many people who have their nose pressed up against the window pane of their life and you think God lied about what he was going to do in you and through you and at your school and in your family but God saying, no, I didn't lie. I've just been waiting on you to stir up what I put on the inside of you and if you will stir it up. Oh, come on, somebody. Say, stir it up. Oh, I came to tell somebody.
somebody a riot. You are not waiting on God. He is waiting on you to stir up what he put in you. Come on, somebody say stir it up. Oh, come on, say it like you believe it. Say stir it up. Come on, say it like you got power. Say stir it up. Oh, stir past your fear, stir past your doubt, stir past your worries, stir past what they said on your Instagram page, stir past all of your insecurities. Somebody say, stir it up. And once you begin to stir it up, you begin to see, wait a minute. There is, a gift on the inside of me. Ooh, help me. You know what I love about that illustration? You know what I love about that illustration? Is that none of you knew that was in there, except for me. You know why? Because I'm the one that made sure it got put in there. See, that's why I get excited when haters and naysayers in my life come in my life and say, no, I don't see you doing that. No, I don't see that happening in your life. Of course you don't see it. You didn't put anything in me, but there is a God that puts something on the inside of me, and as soon as I stir it up, Oh, come on, somebody give God some praise in this place. Stir it up. As soon as you stir it up, you're going to see things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things God has already put in you, but you got to stir it up. I wish I had time in here tonight, but hear me. Just as sure as I'm holding this gift in my hand, every single person in this room, Every single person, hallelujah, every single person in this room has a gift, something God has given you. I don't know what it is, but he's given you something. And I'm wondering, have you had a pop and figured out, what? This is what's on the inside of me. I'm glad it happened. Some of you need a pop in your life. Go, wait a minute. There's a gift in me. Pop, I can't date you. You don't know what's in me. Pop, no, I can't go to that party. There's a gift in me. Pop, oh, God, I didn't know I had this car on my life. Pop, ah. I feel like preaching tonight. You got a gift. You got a gift. You got a gift. Do you know what you got? This is the greatest day of your life. This is the greatest day of your life, the day you figure out what he put in you. Do you know what? This is your real birthday right here. The day you find out what he put on the inside of you, you will never know your call, your purpose, until you find out what he's put in you. You can't take over until you know what he's put in you. In fact, there's an African proverb that says there's two important days in your life. Not the day you're born and the day you die, but the day you're born and the day you find out why you were born. Ooh, what is your gift? I got to hurry. I'm going to help the note takers tonight. If you're in this room and you're going, what is my gift? I think there's some questions you can ask yourself that will give you some blues clues as to where your gift is. Number one, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? Our gifts are often hidden within our passions. What do you like to do? Let me clarify. That can be used for the kingdom of God. I was preaching this one time. This one dude was like, man, I really like to make out with girls. I'm not really seeing a making out ministry. I know you're working on a player, but <laughs> what are you passionate about? What's the thing that gets you going? You're like, ooh, I love this right here. Here's another question. What would you do for free? If nobody paid you to do it, what would you do for free? I know people who make a lot of money, but they actually go to their job frustrated because they settle for a paycheck instead of their God-given passion. Ooh, 
what would you do for free? So I'm telling you, the day you do what you were created to do, nobody can pay you to do it because you were created to do it. I'm telling you, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I get to travel and I get to preach and do this from a, for a living. But even if I didn't, this is what I would be doing. This is what I was created to do. If I was in Australia with no humans, just kangaroos, I would still be doing this. Talking about, hey, get that stuff out of your pouch. There's another level you can hop to. Come on now. What'd you do for free? Here's another question. What do other people see in you? What do other people see in you? I'm talking about godly people that have supernatural vision to see the gift of God in you. That's why you're blessed to be a part of this church with incredible pastors and leaders who can see the gift of God on the inside of you. What do other people see in you? Growing up as a kid, I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. I wanted to be an actor. I figured I looked like Denzel. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> And I'll never forget doing a little drama, and I was sharing a devotion before our drama team went on stage, and my youth pastor at the time overheard me sharing the drama, scripture rather, and he said, man, you've got an incredible gift to articulate God's word. God's going to use you to preach. And I looked at him and said, I don't know what you're smoking. I'm going to Hollywood <laughs> to be an actor. But he saw something in me at 13 I didn't see in myself. What do other people see in you? What comes natural to you? That's another question. What's something you do naturally? It doesn't mean you have to work on it, but if it's truly your gifting, it will come natural to you. I call it the Nemo effect. Come on, if you take Nemo out of the water, you think that's the dumbest animal God ever created. Because what will Nemo do out of the water? Just start doing a Harlem shake. <laughs> but you put Nemo back in the water, you see Nemo's brilliance because the water is the environment that Nemo was created to flow in. Do you know there's an environment you were created to flow in? <laughs> Albert Einstein says this. He said, everybody is a genius. Everybody's a genius. But if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will grow up its whole life believing it's stupid. Some of you have grown up thinking that there's something wrong with you, and there's not. God's given you a unique gift. You just got to find the environment that he's called you to flow in. You got a gift. You got a gift. Here's another question. What frustrates you? What frustrates you? Sometimes your frustration is an indication of where your true gifting is. Because you are anointed for what annoys you. Yeah. Some people come to church and they walk away from the church frustrated because of something they didn't like, not realizing God put that frustration in you because he sent you there to be an answer to the thing that you noticed. I'll keep it 100. You know, what, you know what frustrated me growing up in church? You know what frustrated me when I was growing up? Boring speakers, boring preachers. I'd be in the back talking about, oh, God, why you keep getting boring people to preach for you? It's making you look bad. <laughs> Not even realizing my frustration was an indication of where my true gifting is. You can say a lot about my preaching, but you can't say I'm boring. If you sleep on me, go see a doctor, please. <laughs> Got a gift. Now, somebody come play softly because I'm over time, but watch this. Hear me. <laughs> watch this. I could end the sermon right here, see your gifts, stir it up, and I could call it a day. But I can't end the sermon here without giving you a warning. That the day you find out what your gift is, the day you find out what God put in you, get ready for all hell to break loose in your life. Get ready for the laser beams from hell to hit you up on your forehead. Because if there's anybody the enemy hates, he hates somebody who has identified their gift. In fact, all of your life, you will wrestle with three entities that are after your gift. God wants your gift. 
The enemy wants your gift, and other people want your gift. God wants your gift. The enemy wants your gift, and other people want your gift. And all your life, they're coming after what God put in you. God wants your gift because he's the one that put it in you. And just like anybody wants a return on their investment, God wants a return on what he's put on the inside of your life. And hear me, you will never find peace or joy until you take your gift and you give it back to the giver. And you say, God, here I am. Take my gift. Use it for your glory. The enemy, he wants your gift. And here's how the enemy takes your gift. The enemy doesn't take your gift by getting you to walk around looking evil, wearing black, and uh, talking like this. No. The enemy will just tell you, watch this, to use your gift for you. That's all the enemy will ever tell you. The enemy will only tell you, do you, boo-boo, just do you. He'll say, don't use your gift in the kingdom of God. Use your gift for you. But the problem with using your gift for you is you can't handle your gift. Your gift left to you will make you lose your mind. And all you got to do is cut on TV and see a lot of people who are incredibly gifted. And God gave them the gift, but their gift is destroying them because they haven't given it back to the giver. Other people want your gift. And this is where it gets tricky because God wanted my gift. That's a good thing, right? Enemy wanted my gift. That's a bad thing. But other people wanted my gift. Is that good or bad? Because other people want your gift. Only problem with other people getting your gift and connecting with people who are gifted whether it be friendship, relationship, whatever it is. How many know when you meet that person, you don't just get their gift. You also get their dirt. And people can handle your gift. But not a lot of people can handle your dirt. Oh, okay. I just lost everybody. You were so excited earlier. You're like, oh, I got a gift. Church is good tonight. Can we keep it 100? You got some dirt too. This is what you don't want anybody to see. In fact, this is how you meet most humans in life. I am convinced. Most people in life, this is how you meet them. We love to show our gifts and hide our dirt. Some of you did it tonight in church. We love to show our gifts. Well, God is good. Yes, he is. And hide our dirt. We don't want anybody to see the real us, our issues, what we're struggling with. So we come in and we put on our fake church face and we say, oh, let me show the best and hide the rest. But God can't change who you're pretending to be. He can only change the real you. And if you're not careful, you'll start approaching God the way you approach people. Trying to show the gift and hide the dirt. This is really the problem with dating and relationships. Let me save some of you. Because <laughs> when you're dating somebody, all you see is their gift. But as soon as you say, I do, and you marry them, <laughs> you roll over one morning and go, what is that? Oh, you didn't say this on the first date. What is this? Saying, be careful who you pick. My wedding ceremony, I didn't even say I do. I said, I dirt, I dirt. I take all the dirt, take mine too. This is the challenge of life. How do you handle your gift and your dirt? One of the reasons I love reading the Bible is that the Bible sometimes, especially Old Testament, reads like TMZ. God gives us the real story. People who were gifted and had dirt. People like David, gifted, walked right up to Goliath. Hey, man. He's going to talk about my God in front of everybody. Y'all going to let him put our God on blast like that? No, where is my slingshot? I'm about to knock you out. Today, not the day, Goliath. What's wrong with you, bro? You ain't read that version, have you? That's the NIV, Negro International Version. It's a different translation. 
Not in bookstores. David was gifted. Worshiper and a warrior. That same David one day was looking at the Instagram page of this lady named Bathsheba. Saw her taking a bath. Sent her a direct message. Said, hey girl, I saw you taking a bath. You should come over tonight. Smiley face. Committed murder and adultery. Moses gifted. Walked right into Pharaoh's palace without fear, without intimidation. Kicked the door open. Pharaoh, cut the music off. God said, let my... You know, in a stuttering pop. God said, let my... I practice. Let my... We want to leave. Sick of this, man. The same Moses committed murder trying to accomplish the plan of God in his own strength. How many know I don't got to give you people from the Bible? Have you ever looked at your own life and seen the gift and the dirt and gone, God, how am I going to handle all of this? Some of you did it tonight. You couldn't even worship the way you wanted to worship because the enemy was reminding you of the dirt. And do you know why most of us struggle trying to handle it? Hear me. You know why we struggle trying to handle it? It's because we are trying to handle it. See, the whole time I've been preaching, I've been trying to hold this gift and hold this dirt and hold this mic, and I've been struggling on stage trying to do it. It's a picture of so many people's lives. You're trying to handle the gift and handle the dirt, and you were never meant to handle it. How many of you know true freedom is when you take your dirt and you take your gift and you get it out of your hands and you put it in the hands of the God that formed you? You put it in the hands of the God that loves you? You put it in the hands of the God that knows everything about you? When you get it out of your hands... You can worship like you've never worshipped before. Why are you trying to handle it? Get it out of your hands. Put it in the hands of the God that formed you. He says, why don't you give it to me? You can't handle your gift and you can't handle your dirt. You got to get it out of your hands and put it in his hands. Because hear me, Riot, life is predicated upon whose hands you put something in. Oh, it matters whose hands you put something in. You don't believe me? A basketball in my hands is worth like $20. You put that same basketball in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth $300 million because it all depends on whose hands you put something in. Come on, if you take a paint and some paintbrush and put it in my hands, I will paint you beautiful stick figures. But you take the same paint and the same paintbrush and put it in the hands of Leonardo da Vinci, you got a masterpiece that will take your breath away because it all depends on whose hands you put something in. Come on, instruments in my hands will make you run out of this room and cover up your ears. But instruments in his hands and their hands begin to give God glory and honor and praise because it all depends on whose hands you put your life in. Come on, a slingshot can't do anything in my hands, but in David's hands, it defeated a giant. Whose hands are you going to put your life in? If you take a hammer and some nails and put it in my hands, I can't do anything with it. But the same hammer, the same nails in the hands of Jesus, come on, we got salvation, we got healing, we got joy, we got peace, we got everything we need. But you got to put it in his hands tonight. Quit trying to handle the gift. Quit trying to handle the dirt. If you put it in his hands, he can get the glory out of your life. I'm just going to ask every head be bowed and every eye be closed. Father, thank you tonight 
that you love us. You see our gift. You see our dirt. And yet you still love us. Father, you are good. God, I've come against the lie of the enemy to make somebody think that they're disqualified because of their dirt. God, thank you that since the beginning of time you showed us you can take a great mess and make greatness out of it. But we got to get it out of our hands. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.